0: We begin today the Gemara, four lines down from the top of the Yomot. If that if you injure an Avid Kanani that belongs to someone, you have to pay for this injury. But then the Gemara brings the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda that says that you have to pay all the different kinds of payment for this, besides for Beishas, for embarrassment, that kind of payment, a Eved Kanani does not receive. says, so the Gemara, my time of Yehuda, what's the source for Rabbi Yehuda? Omakra, the Pasik, where it speaks about the payment of embarrassment, it says, <laughs> If men were fighting with one another. And the Ish and then it says a man and his brother. And then over there, the Pasik describes how one woman came along and embarrassed one man, and she has to pay for this embarrassment. <coughs> so we learn from the language of the Pasik, it says, Ish Akhiv, a man and his brother, v'mi sheyesh le'achva, that the payment of the Boises is for a person where there's brotherlyhood. When there's someone that's defined as a brother. Yatza Eved, but this excludes an Eved though, She'ein lo'i He does not have this brotherly hood with Yidin. And the reason is because the Eved is someone that cannot marry into Klal Yisrael. Even though he's to some extent a Yid. He's chayat a like a woman. As the Gemara will soon say here. But nevertheless, he's not called a brother because he can't marry into Klal Yisrael. So therefore, there's no uh, payment of Baishas. Because it doesn't fit what the Pasek says. Ish and but Rabbanon, Rabbanon that disagree with this, and they say that there is a payment of Baishas even for an evet Kanani, Achiv Ube That even an Eved is a brother to Yidin in some, to some extent. He can't marry into Kla Yisrael, but he's Chayiv and Mitzvahs to some extent. He's Chayiv and Mitzvahs like, uh, like a woman. There's always a drasha Rashi brings. We learn out the term law that it says by a woman and the term law that it says by an Eved that they're compared, that he's Chayiv and Mitzvist like a woman. So therefore, the payment of Baishas applies to him as well. So here now the Gemara is going to go through a discussion regarding various different talachis, how it relates to this machlekis between Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanon, whether an Eved is called a brother for Eden or he's not called a brother. It says the Gemara, Now according to Rabbi Yehudah, Rabbi If you have Edim, that said false testimony on an Eved, they wanted to be of this evad misa, and they were found to be false. And you have to give the punishment kasha like what they plotted, what they intended to do for this person. But by a ze- by the zeimim, for an evad kanani, they should not get any chi misa if they intended to give this evad kanani misa. <todic> the Torah says that they, they, you have to give the punishment of kasha what they intended to do to their brother. And according to Rav Yehuda. A Eved is not defined as a brother. So the, what's the Gemara's question? So, Ashi, he brings that the Gemara, in, and makkis learns out and says that the halach is, that the punishment for Edim Zaymimin does apply, even if their testimony was for an Eved kanani. But according to Rabbi Yehuda, if the Pasuk says, it should not apply. He's not called a brother. Amarav, Amarav Amar Absheshesh, said in the name of Rav Sheshesh to answer this, Amar there by the parash of Edim Zaymimin, the Tater then adds, Uviyar mikir becha. You should... Clear out the evil from amongst you. So, this term mikirbechot says mikol that you have to clear out this evil of the false testimony of the Adam Zaymimin in any case, including even if it's an Adas against the Evet Kanani, even though he can't really be defined as a brother. So, this extra pasik teaches that here the punishment does apply. According to the Rabbana's opinion, that say that an Eved is called a brother, because he's Chayvim, it's like a woman. Eved, yehei kosher lamalchus. An Eved kanani should be kosher to be able to be a king. And then we know that an Kanani cannot become a king. But why not? He's he's a brother, he's a brother like all, oh, he's a yid like other yidn, in that in that sense. So you should be able to be a king. So Amri, they said to answer this question, time according to your reasoning, they're asking this question. ger, ledivri You should ask the question regarding a person that's a ger. And that's a question not only on Rabbanon, that's a question according to everybody. Why can't a ger be a, a, a king? And Rashi brings the halacha that uh, a ger can't be a king, and he can't even be a shaitar, a, a police, or any, any position of leadership that, that cannot be applied to, cannot be uh, by a ger. Gemara says this in Yevamos. but the question is why not? So if you're asking a question regarding a evet, ask the same question regarding a ger. So, so what's the answer for this? In, huh? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. is mamish a full fledged yid. Yeah. So that's a question on everybody. Why if, if, a ger is definitely a full fledged yid, and he's called Achicha as your brother. So why can't he be a king? Ella, the answer is <laughs> Omakra. The pasuk says, <coughs> "By a king, That you appoint a king, it should be from amongst, from within your brothers. So this term mi means mi from the chosen one amongst your brothers. That terminology says that this excludes an eved or a ger. So therefore, the Rabbanon says, Rabbanon is saying that uh, an Evet could be a brother, but nevertheless he can't be appointed as a king. Another question on the Rabbanon. Li Rabbanon. The Rabbanon, that says say that an Evet is called a brother and he's a Yid. Yehei Evet koshal Eidos and Evet Kanani should be a kosher Eidos. He should be able to say testimony in Beznan. Because the Bostic describes... He said false testimony, he said a false testimony in his brother. So the Torah uses the term Achiv, that an Edos, as long as he's a brother, he can say Edos. A Eved Kanani is, uh, is also a brother, according to the Rabbana. So why can't he say Aidos? So here the Gemara is going to go through a lengthy discussion, bringing the sources for this, that the Kanani cannot be an Omarullah, All it says, the, the reason for this is, you can't say that Eved Kanani could be a Kasher Edos, even if he's called a brother, but he still can't be a Kasher Edos. Why not? because we learn out this halacha of Edos regarding Eved Kanani that he cannot be Edos from a woman. What's the What's the If when it comes to a woman and she can marry into Klal Yisrael, they're talking about the regular Jewish woman that marries into Klal Yisrael. but nevertheless P'sulu Edos, she's still puzzled to say Edos. As said, uh, the, 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 the Possek uh, regarding Ades, it says, Right? there has to be men. So you will learn from there that a woman is Possek for Ades. So, Eve, she ain't a love of call, and evet that's not fit to get married to Klaus Yisroel, ain't a din should Possek Ades. Most definitely, he's going to be Possek So we learn it from a woman. It's a Kavach The Gemara asks on this Kavach Haimar, Mali Isha, I can tell you that by a woman, there's another reason, there's another factor about her, which is the reason why she's Possek Ades. She can't, ain't a because a woman, there's no, she doesn't have a mitzvah of bris mila, so maybe because she doesn't have the mitzvah of bris mila, that's why she's possible for edus as well. Toymar beevet. However, when it comes to an evet through royal mila by an evet, sins by him if there is a mitzvah of bris mila that there is by an kanani, evet kanani has a, uh, has a bris, so maybe he's kosher to be an edus as well. Says the gemara. Okay, so we can't learn it just with the kavochaim from the isha but I'll prove to you this point that a Isha's is from a cotton from a child. She He has the mitzvah of brismila, but a But he's also pasleidos, and it's learned from the same pasuk that she quotes. She shneho anoshim. Anoshim include. It, it, uh, sorry, excludes women, and it also excludes a uh, cotton that has, that's not an ish. He's not anoshim. She actually gives a second reason as well why children are pasleidos. The reason is because it's a yachal In order to be a kosher edus you have to be able to qualify for becoming adam Zemiman to get that punishment for saying false testimony. But by a cotton there's no anchum, so so he can't he can't say Aidus. So you can learn that from a cotton. If a cotton is posaledus, you can learn that Avid Kanani is also posal But the Gummara asked, no, you can't learn from a cotton to a Avid Kanani. Why not? A cotton is not a baran shin, he has no das. there's no obligation of mitzvahs at all. However, regarding Eved Kanani sheu be He has an obligation of mitzvahs, like a woman. So maybe he is koshal So you can't learn out the psal of Eved Kanani for ladies, not from an Isha, and not from a cotton. So the Gemara says, well, Isha techiach this that you're telling me, the reason why. A cotton cannot be a, a edos, is because he has not obligated a mitzvah at all. I can prove you from Aisha that that's not the only reason. Aisha is chayiv in mitzvahs, and still she yeshna b'mitzvahs of and she's still pasul feidos. And here the Gemara says we're going to learn from both together. And then you try to learn out from one, you can't learn out from one, and you go to the other from Isha to Cotton. And I tell you that each one of them has a unique character that shows an, a certain reason why you would say that the Isha is posoledos or why you would say the Cotton is Possolados, but they're not the same. By the Isha, it's because she has no bris, by Cotton, it's because he's not Chayyab and Mitzvis, And these two things are not similar. And therefore, I say that that the reason you find by each one of them specifically cannot be the cause for why they're because I, I don't find it by the other, which is possible without that reason. So, what's the reason why they're pasleidos? Hatsad, the common denominator. What the, the reason that you see by both of them is sheken enon b'cholamitzvus. Both aisha and a cotton are not chayv in all mitzvahs, like a man. Opsule and and apostle to say Aydas. So, this point I say applies to Evad Kanani. Aphani, obvious, Evad, the same as with an Evad, Sh'enoi, B'chol, a mitzvah. He's not Chayiv, an old mitzvah, and therefore he's possible to say Eidos. That's the source that Evad Kanani, even though he's a brother, like Rabban and hold, but nevertheless, we learn from an Isha and a together to teach us that Evad Kanani is But the Gemara asks on this limit as well. Even learning from both together, there's a problem here. Why? If you're learning from both together, from the Isha and from the uh, from the cotton, but when you look at what's similar about them, you can say well, that they're, they're both ish. Both of them are not a man. The pusik it says, "Edus is anoshim, a man." So that's not a woman and not a cotton. So therefore, they're both pasleidus. Maybe that's the factor. That's the reason that they're both pasleidus. Taima However, if you're looking at an evet kanani shu ish, evet kanani is ish. So even though he's not chayvin all mitzvahs, but he's an ish, so maybe he should be ch- a, 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 a kosher edus. Elo, therefore the Gemara says we're going to have to bring in another point there. Taisi mi goslin. We could learn that the evet kanani is pasle edus from this. That a goslin is pasle edus. A robber is, is pasle edus. And the Rashi here brings. We learn from the pasuk where it says al toshes yotcha, and then it says um, al toshes rosha. That a rosha should not be edus. Who's the rosha? A person that's a robber cannot be a good edus. So just like a robber can't be an edus, so we learn out so too that Evet kanani cannot be a good edus. Okay, so the gemara says, well, how could you compare an Evet kanani to a gazlan? Male gazlan she came mice of Garmeloy. by an kanani by a Goslin That is, it's his actions, the fact that he's stealing someone's money, and therefore the titus says he's a rasha. That causes him to be pasuleidos. be However, by Evet even if he's not chayiv and mitzvus fully like a regular yid, but sheim Maïs of there is no none of his own actions that are causing him to be different than anybody else, and therefore, who says he's excluded from being a kosher edus? Hello, so the Gemara concludes, umichad mahanoch. We're going to learn out from a gazlin, together with one of the ones mentioned before, which is either a isha or an eved, that what's the common denominator between a gazlin and one of these, either a isha or, or not, sorry, not a isha and an eved, a isha or a cotton, one of these, you can learn out a gazlin together with one of them. So Rashi explains that both of them together, they don't have all mitzvahs by them. Either because a goslin is not careful with all mitzvahs, he's a goslin, so he's a roshah, or a isha is not chayv in mitzvahs, or a cotton is also not chayv in all mitzvahs. So both of them, the common denominator is that they don't have all mitzvahs by them, and therefore they're posolados. And from there you learn out, to an evet kanani as well, it's not chayv in all mitzvahs, and he's posolados. And over here you can't ask the question that we asked before, that the, the tzad ha is ish. The, the goslin is a ish, He's a Ish, but he's still Pasol Why? Yes. Because he's not, uh, he he's that not, uh, no, but, he's, but he's not fulfilling all mitzvahs. So so because he's not fulfilling an all mitzvahs, so therefore he doesn't have all mitzvahs by him. And that's the reason for the, for the fact that he's Pasol Look at what Rashi says. The Tzad is that they don't do all mitzvahs. They're not careful with all mitzvahs, whether because they're not obligated or because they're just not doing it. So, and that's the reason for the psol, and therefore we can apply that by the Avad Kanani as well. This is one source for the psal of ever Kanani in mitzvahs. the son of So he said a different source. Says The says Now, what's the simple pshat of this pasuk? La a is simple pshat. The pasuk is coming to teach that you can't accept edos of a relative. A father can't say eidos, or you can't uh, give a death to a father based on the edos of a child. That's a simple shot of the Pasik, but he dashes his pasik differently. What the pasik means to say is La Yumsu, you can't use an edos to give a chi of Misa to someone with an edos which came al pi chayis banim. If it came from a person which is a father that gives birth to a child and there's no yichas of the child to the father. What is this? This is an Avid Kanani. By an Avid Kanani, the child has no yichas to the father. The yichus of an Eved Kanani goes to the mother, not to the father. It says by Eved Kanani, there's no yichus there's no to the father. Okay, so therefore, in, in the, the way he's touching the pasik is, you can't give a chiyav misa if, uh, accord, according to a father that doesn't have a yichus to the son. That's why like he's darshening this pasik. Now, the Gemara explains, why is he darshening the pasik this way? Why doesn't he just learn the simple pshat of the pasik that it's coming to say, the halacha, that you don't, Accept edus of a relative, a son, to say edus for a father. So the Gemara explains. Because the Is, if you're going to think and say that what we learn from this passage is just a simple pshat, as this is taught elsewhere, that Rashi brings, this is the pshat that it says in the Gemara in Sanhedrin, that mm-hmm. means that you can't give a khiv misa to the father with the edus of his son, a relative. So then, the, the more appropriate language of the Pasik would be to say that a father should not be put to death by the aidis of their son. Their son meaning you, you want to say here that the relative, the son of the father. So you can't, you can't give a chiv misa. My banim. Why does the, the, the taita just use the term banim? Not making the point that we're talking about the, the son of this father and it, it's a relative. It just says banim stam. Children. So from the change of the language of the pasik, I learned out from here this other Allah. Regarding an Evet Kanani, the La that you can't give a Chiyev Misa al Pi Avos sheein Chayis Bonim, <coughs> according to the Eilus of a father, which is the Kanani, and therefore his children have no Yichis to him. That's a new Drasha that we can learn out. An additional Drasha we can learn out from this Pasuk from the change of the language. That's the first half of the Pasuk. Now the Gemara goes now to the second half of that Pasuk. After it says La Avas the Pasuk continues and says, Ubonim so The Gemara wants to understand, now according to this, Russia, how are you going to understand the second half of the Pasuk? According to this, when the Pasuk then continues and says, Ubonim How are you going to darshan this? Over here also, are you going to say a similar chat that that you can't give a of misa based on an Edos, bonim, avis, that according to the Edos of children, that don't have a Yichus to their father, that's just like you're saying before. You can't give a. a you can't use Eidos from fathers that their children have no yichus to them. So in the second half of the it seems like you would have to touch similar that you can't give a. You can't give misa from an Eidos, from children that have no yichus to their father. Now what is this? The Gemara says what if you're going to touch over here this way? So if so, el ochanami the So would that mean that a ger would be possible for Eidos? because a ger is an individual. That he has no yichus to his father. Okay. That's it. So, by, by an ever there's no yichus from the father to the son. But by by a, by a ger, there's no yichus from the son to the father. Because a ger is kakat and shenaylat dummy. After his ger, it's like he's born. He's like a, a child that's born, and therefore he has no yichus to the father. So, seemingly over here in the second part of the pasig, you should learn out that a ger is pasile ados. Well, we know that that's not true. A ger is kashile But why don't we learn it out over here from this pasig? So the G'mon explains, Omri, they answer to this and they said as follows. No, you can't, you can't compare. We're not learning out this Roshah, Just like regarding an Eved that is possible, so too by Ger. Why? Hoki There's no comparison. Ger, when it comes to a Ger, this Ger has no Yichus to his father, but, Lamata however, to the generations below, in other words, to his child, he does have a Yichus. If he gives birth to, to whatever child he gives birth, it's, it's his child. There is a yichus here. <laughs> However, when it comes to a yichas over there, it's different. <laughs> an yichas, kanani has no yichus to his father, and if he gives birth, the child also has no yichus to him. So there's no concept of yichus at all, not to the father and not to a son. So it's a different story. So therefore, therefore, dafka by the eved kanani, we learn out this drasha that he's posel now the Gemara explains why you can't say that a ger should be possible as well. Maybe maybe we should still say that uh, we're going to dash near the Pasuk to say that because a ger has no yichas to his father, he's pasal So the Gemara explains. If you think to say ger dos, that we're going to learn from here, even to say this bigger Chiddush, that even a ger is possible for a dos. if so, let the Torah just say lo yumsu avasal the Torah could say, like what it pointed out before, if all it's coming to say is, like the simple psharad of the Pasek, that relatives cannot say Eidos, so let it say the term of Layumsu Ovisal B'neim, that you can't give death to a father by the Eidos of his son, which is a relative. The Rinon, like we said before, that would be the simple psharad of the Pasek. And then, Layumsu B'Eidos Bonim, Okay, so that the second. That goes together. That that's the simple Pshat of the Pasik, that a father is not put to death by the testimony of his, of his children. That's the concept of a relative that's posal That would be the Pshat in the first part of the Pasik. I don't need any, I don't need to use that part of the Pasik to teach me that an eved kanani is posal. And then I would say as follows: let's look at the second half of the pasik. Then, in the second half of the Pasik, when the title says, the <speaking in Hebrew> And then you'll say that over here in this part of the Pasik, I can learn out two points. Today, I learn out two points from here. One point I learn out is <speaking in Hebrew> The simple shot of the Pasik is that a son cannot be put to death by the testimony of his father because he's a relative. That's a simple shot And then the iddach, and then I learn out another. Another drasha here, and this is based on what the Gemara said before because it doesn't say avaisam. It says avais. So from this, I learned out another drasha. layumsu That you can't use a testimony to put someone to death. Al pi she'elem chayis avis. According to a person that's a son, that he has no yichas to his father. And who's this? Who's the son that has no yichas to the father? The ger. A ger has no yichas to his father, even though there is a yichas to his children, to him, but he has no yichas to his father. And that that's what I would ask from the second half of the Pasuk to say that a Ger is Paso And now once I know this, I would also know automatically that a Eved kanani is Paso And the Eved, Nafkaleve The fact that a Kanani would be Paso I would learn this with a Ka'va Cha'ymer. Mi Ger, from the Ger. Umag Ger, if I see in this Pasuk when it comes to a Ger, He only has no Yichas to his father. But he has a Yichas to, his son has a Yichas to him. In this part of the Passock, it's saying that he's Passoleidos. And Evet Kanani, that there's no yichus. he has no yichus. not to his father, and his sons do have no yichus to him either. Most definitely, he should be Passoleidos. So you don't need a separate Roshe in the first half of the Passock to teach me that Evet Kanani is Passoleidos. The Shayden actually point out it's not even necessary to have this Kabbalah. The moment you say that a ger is posse this because he has no yichas to his father, or Kanani Kanani also has no yichas to his father. So he's included in that rasha automatically. So the Gemara concludes, In the first half of the Pasuk, the fact that it says the term of it doesn't say b'nei hem, it says banim. That's the, as Gemara pointed out before. It's switching this term, using Bonim, the Stam term Bonim, the mashma. And from this we see that Layumsu. we're learning from here to kanani that you can't give death to someone al pi avais based on the testimony from a person that's a father that has no yichas to his children. So that means that in this part of the pasuk, it's talking about the evet kanani. So Shma'mi no, what we understand from this is as follows. Why does the Torah have to write an extra droshe to teach me that Evet Kanani is posoledus? So we understand from this that Evet She'elachai is loy l'mayla v'loy By Evet Kanani, there's no concept of by him at all. Not for his, him to his father and not from him to his children. Who the posoledus? That's a person that's posoledus. That's what we see from the first part of the Pasuk. Avolger, however, when it comes to Ger. Even though he has no yichus to his father, but there's a yichus from him to his son, kasherledus. So therefore, he is going to be kasherledus. That's what we understand from this. That the Taitz is, is writing an extra pasuk to tell me that Eved Kanani has no yichus. It must be that a ger is kasherledus. If so, the Gemara concludes this. If that's the case. And now in the second part of the Pasuk, there's, there's no drasha, there's no reason to doubt, We're not learning out from here that a ger is posel le'edas. If so, ubonim, rachmane, the Torah should write, ubonim lo yumsu al That the children cannot be put to death from the testimony of their father. Which means that the Pasuk would be simply teaching me to halacha, that a relative can't say testimony. It's not coming to teach me that a ger is posel le'edas. Why does the Torah write the, the, the language, lo al avais why Ovestan? If the second part of the pasik is coming to say that the, a relative can't say Eidos. Why is he using this term? The mashma. And it would seem from this that it's coming to say al It sounds like it's coming to say that you can't accept testimony from a person that's a son that has no yichas to his father. Which would mean that even a ger is posseh But as Gemara just pointed out that Roshah is not true. Because we, we see that the Torah is only passing an Eved Kanani and not the Ger. If the Torah was passing a Ger, you wouldn't need an extra pasuk to pass an Eved Kanani because it's a Kal v'Chayim. So why is the Torah using this language? So you know the Gemara says the reason is I the kosav, yumsu, avasal, bonim, because in the first half of the pasuk it uses this term of Bonim Stam. It doesn't say Bnei Hem in the first half of the pasuk. It's coming to teach me that an Eved Kanani is Pasleidos. The Torah uses a similar term in the second half of the Pasik. It says the term Avais and not Avaisehem, even though in the second half of the Pasik it should have said Aviseyam, because the only Drasha that there is from the second half of the Pasik is to say that a relative can't say testimony. So, so okay, this is this is the conclusion of the Sinian. This is the Drasha that uh, the Gemara says another Drasha here to teach me that uh Kanani is posaladis. But only Avid Kanani, not a ger. Going back to what it said in the Mishnah, a <coughs> a deaf mute, or a shaite or a cotton, a child, if you have an interaction with them, then it's going to be bad for you. As the Mishnah explained, that if you uh, are going to be mazik then, you have to pay them for this damage. But if they're mazik you, they have no das, they have no, they're not going to be high to pay you. Okay, the Gemara here starts a new union. This will be a long discussion. And then eventually the Gemara is going to come back to bring from this Mishnah a proof to the subject that we're bringing up here. So the Gemara says the story that happened was as follows. The mother of Shmuel bar from her She was married to rab So this, this mother of Shmuel bar Abba was married first to one person by the name of Abba. And then she had a son with that man. And then... She got remarried to another Abba, and that also to Abba. So she went and she wrote that her properties which are properties that are called Nikhse Maluk, these are properties during the time of the marriage to her husband. So what happens with these properties? Nechzei the, the actual properties itself belong to her. But the paytas of the property, who's the one that eats the fruits of the properties of a wife? A husband. So she went and she wrote those properties as a gift for her son. It wasn't her husband's son, it was her son. And she wrote it as a gift for him. So now, after she passed away, so her son, HaFshmul, HaFshmul Barabe, wanted to take that gift that her mother wrote for her. Question is, could she keep that gift? Does she get this gift? Or, no, maybe it goes to the husband. The halacha usually is that when a woman dies... Who's the one that inherits all of the properties of the wife? The husband inherits all of this, not the children. So over here, though, the mother in her lifetime wrote that it should be a gift for the son. The question is, will the son get it, or does it go as a yirusha to the husband, like it usually does? Huh? Yeah, second. the second husband. Yeah, that this is the husband that we're talking <clears throat> about now. <clears throat> so, Shmuel Barabe came to Rabbi Yirmiyah to ask him about this. <throat> so, Rabbi Yirmiyah Barabi said. That he, that he can keep these properties that his mother wrote for him as a as a gift. Oh, Zorababe, Zorababe, the husband. He, he wanted to inherit from his wife. He says, no, it belongs to me. So Zorababe himself went. Amre la He told over this psaktin of Rav Yirmiyeh to Rav Hayshe. Also, Rav Amre kamed went and said over this psaktin to Rav and you you said about this, this Psaktin is not true. Amalei, he said, This is what Shmol said. A wife that went and sold from her properties that are Nixay Mulug, which the husband eats to pay this from it, and she sold it to someone in the lifetime of the husband. And then the husband dies. And then the the husband can go and confiscate his properties from the buyer, and he's the one that inherits these properties, even though the, the oh. wife already sold it in her in a, when she was alive. <inaudible> huh? She died. What? She umesa, umesa, oh, sorry, umesa. <laughs> I, I read I read it Mesa Habal. Sorry, yes. Umeisa. Sorry, of course, Umeisa. <inaudible> and she died. Habal <inaudible> The husband can go and take the the properties from the kuchais. So therefore we hear the same thing. She gave it as a gift <coughs> to her son, and, and then she dies. The husband is the one that, get, that go, goes and, and and inherits this, not the son that she gave it as a gift to. This is a illusion, it's a selling, it's not the same. Okay, so but Lucha, once she she has, what's the point of here? She has the ownership in the goof of the karka. The actual karka belongs to her. The husband only has the paid of the karka. The question is the fact that when she's alive, the husband has the ownership of the Paytas of the Karaka, does that, that prevent her of selling it when she's alive? Mm-hmm. So... okay if so, she, didn't sell, she gave it, for a... Uh, same thing. A whether she sold it or whether she decided to give it as a gift to her son, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It Could she sell it or give it as a gift because she owns the Goof of the Karaka? Or no, she can't. Why? Because the husband owns the Paytas. Since he owns the Paytas while she's alive, she has no ability to give it as a gift or to sell it. And even if she did... When she dies, the husband will inherit this. Yeah. That's, the, that's seemingly the Shailah over here. Now the Gemara is going to bring on this, that there's a, there's a Raya against this of, of uh, that was said in the name of Shmuel. So, they said over the Psaktin that Shmuel said, that Shmuel argued with his Psaktin and said that the husband will inherit it. So he said to them, I have a Mishnah. There's a Mishnah that supports what I said. And again, the, the Chiddush, the point that Rabbi Yirmi is saying is, that this wife, because she owns the guf of the karka, even though the payday's belong to the husband, she has the right and the ability to sell it, or give it as a gift while she's alive, and then the husband later will not inherit it. <coughs> Where do we see a source for this? So the Gemara here brings a Mishnah, and a whole discussion about this Mishnah, which will be a source for this halacha. we learn from the Mishnah as follows. A person that writes that he's giving his property, as a gift to his son, but when should it become his son's? After he passes away. So now the Gemara understands, as we'll see soon, that the meaning of this kind of gift is, that while the father is still alive, the father should still be able to use this property. But, when the father will pass away, then the son will get it. Meaning that really from the moment that he wrote this gift that he's giving it to his son, the goof <laughs> of the karka, this is a similar case to what we're discussing before. Because the goof of the karka itself belongs now to the son. Because it was, the father gave it as a gift to his son. But to pay this though, while the father still alive, the father is the one that can eat the pay this. Why do we say that, for? That, that's the way the Gemara understands this gift. What, what is he doing? If he's giving a gift and telling his son that I'm giving this to you as a gift, but it's only after I pass away. Why is he saying only after he passes away? Because he wants to be able to use it and, and have it until he passes away. But well, then after he passes away, then it'll become the son. So again, that means that the guf of the karaka belongs to the son already, but the payday still belong to the father. So the Mishnah there says, what's the halacha? The father cannot sell this property anymore. Or the son, for one second. First it says about the son. I skipped one word. The son cannot sell this property. It's still in the possession of the father. The father is, is the one that eats the paytas. And while the father eats the paytas, the son can't sell it. Same thing, the father cannot now sell this property to anyone else. Because he already wrote off that the goof of the property belongs to the son. Mishnah goes on and says, if the father sold his property to someone, the sale is only in effect until he passes away. But once the once the father passes away, then the son, which was the previous, he's the one that got this as a gift from before, he's the one that will get it. And if the son sells the property, the Lekeach has nothing of this property until the father passes away. Because during the lifetime of the father, the father is the one that retained the rights to use the paidest of the property. So the, the sale only takes effect when the father passes away. That's the Mishnah. Now the Gemara explains how do we understand this Mishnah. There's a the Machloikis here. The Gemara is going to bring here between Ishlokish and Rabyechenen how we understand this Mishnah. Kima When the father passes away. Mia Islele Lekeach. The, the son, if he sold this property that his father gave him as a gift, once the father passes away, that buyer from the son will get this property. Now, what does that mean? So the Gemara says, according to one opinion, And that's even if the son died before the father died, even though the son never actually ended up getting it, because the, the son died before. And the son, when he sold the property, he only had the goof of the property that was his and not the paytas. And nevertheless, he has the power to sell it, that after the father will pass away, that buyer will get it. And the Gemara says, whose opinion is this? This is what Rav ben said in the pshat of this Mishnah. The Oman Rav ben said in this Mishnah, makes no difference if the son died in the lifetime of the father. So the, the son never actually fully got this property or in a case where the father died first, and now the son actually did fully get this property, also they, uh, the, the ben, the, the son got it, the person that the son sold it to will get this property for, for, based from, from the sale, from the son. And the Gemara brings that this was Eshlakish's opinion, but there was a machleikis about this between Rabbi and Eshlakish. The Yitma, we learned the machleikis, how to understand this mission as follows. In this case, again, when the father gave the son a gift, his property, and the property itself already belongs to the son. But the paytas still belongs to the father. And now the son went and sold this when the father was still alive. The son died before the father died. Rabbi Yechenon says, The lekech will not acquire anything here. The Shlokish shlok says, Kono lekeach. the Lekeach will acquire this property from the son after the father passes away. So the G'mon explains the basis of the Machlekes. it says the does not acquire anything. Omalach will tell you, Kikotoni Masnisa, when it says in the Mishnah we quoted before, atchi that if the son sells it so the buyer doesn't get it until the father dies. But once the father dies, isle Then the son does, the the buyer from the son does get the property. That's only, that's only if the son did not die before the father. So the son first got this property after the father passed away. And then from him, it goes to the buyer. But if the son died in the lifetime of the father, So this property never fully came to the possession of the son. Then, kima if the father passes away, nami the lekeach is not going to get anything from the sale. That's Rabbi Echenen. That's how he understands the Mishnah. The Gemara explains what's the basis of Rabbi Echenen's opinion. Why does the son not have the ability to sell this property to a lekeach in the father's lifetime? Almeb, what we see is, Rabbi holds kosovar, kinyin peiris, when there's an acquisition, an ownership, just of peiris, kikinyinad guvdami. It's similar to owning the actual property itself. So over here, in this case, during the father's lifetime, the father owns the paytas, as I explained before. He gives this gift to his son, that it should take effect when the father passes away. The paytas still belong to the father. So because the paytas still belong to the father, the son has no ability to sell it to any Lakeah. So therefore, if the son died before the father died, the sale does not take effect. Loved the day's oven. So when he was selling this property in the father's lifetime, the sale didn't take effect. That's Rabbi Yechinim. If the son died uh, after the father died, so then the son already got the property fully. The son got the, the and paytas the and the karka. So then that Kinion, no, that Kinion that he made before, now has the, the ability to fully take effect. Because now he owns the whole thing. But not in the father's lifetime. The father owns the paytas. The Kinion can't take effect. That's Rabbi Yechinim. Disagrees and he says that the Lekeach will acquire this property, will get it, even though the son died in the father's lifetime. And he explains when the Mishnah says that if the son sells this property, the Lekeach does not get it until the father dies, but when the father dies, at that point, the Lekeach will get this property that the son sold him. Makes no difference if the son did not die in the father's lifetime, de Ben, and the, the son got it, and it fully, and then it goes to the ben or even in a case where the son died already in the father's lifetime, the Ben, and it didn't fully come to the hands of the son because the father still has the payis. The loikeach is still going to acquire this kingdom from the son. What do we see from here? Almeh kasava. we see that Ishlakish opinion is, Kenyan, Payis, that if you, if you have an ownership just of fruits, you don't have any Kenyan of the guf of the property itself. And therefore, even though the father, while he's alive, has the Kenyan of the Payis, the son has the rights and the ability to sell this karka. When the son sells it, he's selling his own karka. Okay, that's uh, the conclusion of this discussion. Benigeia to a son selling this property that the Kinyan of the Petrus belongs to the father and the Kinyan Aguf of the Karka belongs to the son. Okay, so what do we see over here? Here the Gemara is going to explain. We follow ishlakish's opinion that says that the Kinyan of Petrus of the father does not prevent the son of selling it to someone. <coughs> okay, so now the Gemara says, vanan hash us over here, coming back now to our case, of a wife that wants to sell her Nikhsim melug, or in this case, she wants to give away her Nikhsim melug to her son. Now, everybody, whether it's Rabi or of Yehuda, that argued about this case, we hold over here, we pass in like Rab Shem ben Lokesh in this case, Rashi brings, this is one of the cases that you pass in like, like, like Rish Lokish. Usually in Shas, the halacha is always like rabbi Yechenin, besides three cases, and this is one of the three cases that you pass in like Rish says as follows if you're going to say that the fact that you own Paytas of a property it's equivalent it's similar like you own the whole gulf of the property if so If the father died, but the son already died before Ama is. Why would the Rishlokish say that the Lekeach should get this property that the son sold him? When the son sold this, he's not selling something that he has the rights to sell. Because the father still has a Kenyan Paytas. And if you're going to tell me the Kenyan Paytas is strong enough to hold back a sale from the Gulf, so then the sale shouldn't take effect. All right, so what do you see over here? You see over here that what does the hold? The Rishlokish holds regarding that case of a son selling this property that the father still owns the Paytas. That the ownership of the petis does not prevent the son of selling the goof of the karka to someone else. If so, we should apply the same thing over here as well. From this Mishnah, according to the Shlokesh's opinion. I could learn out that When someone owns just Paytas, it's not similar to owning the goof of the karka. And you, you, that doesn't prevent the son of selling the karka to a buyer. So the same thing over here, what he's proving is, regarding this case of this mother that gave the karka to her son, even though she's married, and the husband has a Kenyan petis. What's that again? The Allah of is the exact same situation. By the Nikhseh the goof of the karka belongs to the wife, <clears throat> sorry, and the petis belongs to the, to the husband. But from this mission, we should learn out that the, the fact that the husband owns the petis shouldn't prevent the wife to give it as a gift to the son, so therefore Rav Yemiel is arguing that his psaktin that the son should get this gift of the mother should take effect. Okay so after he argued this Hadrua they brought back this argument of Rav Yemiel to Rav Yehuda. And Amaluhu, Rav Yehuda responded and said, "Hachi This is what Shmuel said. "Zu daimut Now this case over here of the mother giving the gift to the son from the from the karka, where the pedes is owned by the husband, it's not similar to this case that we just brought fr- brought from this mishnah. Why not? My time. Why isn't it similar? Um, Yasef, mm-hmm. explains. So the point the point that the gemara is going to try to say now is that in that mishnah, when a father gives a gift to his son. Our entire assumption in this whole sugi here was that that kind of gift that a father gives to his son. And what does the father say? He says to his son, I'm giving you this property as a gift that will be yours when I pass away. We understood that the shot of this gift is that the goof of the karka is already the son's. And the is the father is keeping for himself to eat until he passes away. That's what we understood it. So therefore we're comparing it to our case of the isha where the is belong to the husband and the goof of the karka belongs to her. But the Gemara now will say, no, that's not the shot of that gift at all. If it would be true that that would be the understanding of that gift, if the case was the opposite. A person that writes that he's giving away a gift to his father. In this kind of a case, if a son would say, I'm giving this karkah of mine as a gift to my father, that it should belong to my father when I pass away. Then over there, from that case, we would be able to say that we have a proof to this case over here. The king of dummy. like what we just tried to prove, that the king of Petis is not like a king of Aguf, and that the, the, the father would have a right to sell it. And the similar over here, the mother has a right to give it away as a gift. That's in that case. But now the Gemara says, But over here, what is the Mishnah actually talking about? The Khtani the Mishnah says, This is a father that's giving a gift to his son. So over here, what's the story with a father that's giving a gift to his son? This is a, a son that, he, he, he's, he's, he's a son. He inherits the father. Whether the father gives him the gift, whether the father does not give him the gift, he's anyways going to Yashin, his father. So what the Gemara is pointing out over here is as follows. In such a case, if this son will anyways yaashin the father, what's the point of the father giving his son a gift? Why is he giving him a gift if he's anyways going to yash him when he passes away? Elamay, it must be that the intention of the father is that he's giving this gift to the son completely. That the son should own this karka 100%. <clears throat> so even if we're going to say... Even if we're going to say that usually the halacha is that the Kenyan of uh, Petrus is considered to be like a Kenyan of gulf, But over here, in this case, when the, when the father gave this uh, gift for his son, why did he give the gift to his son? If his son is anyways yashining him, the only reason the father gave over this gift to the son is because he wanted it to be fully the sons, completely. Not just the, the Kenyan of the gulf and not the, not the Petrus. Yes. if it was the other way around, if we're talking about a case where there's a father that's receiving a gift from a son. So over here, the Gemara now understands that there's no inya of Yerusha, from the son to the father. So over here, what's the understanding of this gift? The gift is that the son is giving to his father just the goof of the karka and not the petis. So Now we can compare it to our case where you have a wife that owns the goof of the karka and not the pedis but here when we're talking about the father that's giving a gift to his son, since this is a son that anyways Yashin is the father, so in such a case, what's the, what's the meaning of the gift of the father to the son? The father is giving this gift fully to his son, before he passes away. After he passes away, for sure he would have got it anyways. The point of the whole gift is that the son should get it even before he passes away. That's why the Shlokir said that the son has the ability to sell it in the lifetime of the father, because it's a, it's a full gift. So therefore, there's no comparison, Bakhlal, to our case that we're talking about? That's the response that uh, Rav Yudah said. But the Gemara says this is not this is not a good answer. But Ab'ayah said, how could you say that there's a difference between a father giving a gift to a son or the son giving the gift to the father? Abaya says, abba. Is it true that a son Yarshins a father, but Abu La Yaris but a father will not Yarshin a son? The concept of Yurusha actually goes both ways. A son can in a father, but a father could also in a son. Mm-hmm. So maybe over here you should say the same Svar in the reverse. You can't make this distinction and say that when it comes to a father and a son, over there there's yurusha, but by a father receiving a gift from a son, there's no yurusha. That's not true. Elo, therefore the Gemara explains, why does a father do this? Why is a father giving a gift to his son in his lifetime? Or why would a son give a gift to his father in his lifetime? If a, if a son gives a gift to his father, why is he doing this? Even though the father could yarshen the, the son, but what, if this son has his own children, so the Yerusha goes to the, usually to the children. The son is writing it that it should go to the father so that his children shouldn't yarshen, but the Yerusha should go to the father so if so, over here as well, in the case that the Mishnah is talking about, why is the father giving this gift to his son in his lifetime, even though the son is going to yarshen it anyways when he passes away? The father is doing this because he doesn't want the brothers to inherit. He just wants this son to get it. Okay, So therefore, what's the Gemara's conclusion over here? That when the father gives this kind of gift to his son, he's giving him the goof of the karkana, and the paidists are still by the father, and the petis is only going to be his after the father passes away. Aye, what was the point of the father doing this in his lifetime? He's not getting anything. The son is anyways going to it when he passes away. The answer is no, he is getting something. He wants to take it away from the other brothers. So if so, the point that Gemara is saying is, the raya that Rav Yirmiyah brought from this Mishnah to the story before about the mother that gave this karka for her son is still a good raya. Because in the case of this Mishnah, it's a case where the, there's a kenyan in a gulf, to the son and not king in pedis, And by the case of the mother giving it to the son, it's also a case where there's a king in a guf and not king in pedis. So it's still a good raya from there. So hello, my of the Mishnah say no. So the gemara explains that there's a different reason. Why are we saying that the case that Rabbi Yirmia Paskian regarding the wife is not similar to this case of the Mishnah here? we have a clear raya from this Mishnah that when you own a guf, a karka without the pedis, you could give it away, you could sell it, the answer is mishum <laughs> takana The fact that a wife cannot sell or give a gift a karka of nichsim that the husband eats payus from it. This is a special takana, a takana. The usha. When the chacham were in usha, they made this takana. The <inaudible> Bar usha askinu. In usha, they instituted haisha a wife that sells the nichsim in their lifetime of her husband umesa, and then she passes away. The husband can go and take away these properties from the L'Kuchais. And this means even though L'Chaira, she had the right, she had the right to sell it because she owns the guf of the Karka. And we proved from the Mishnah before, as long as you own the guf of the Karka, that's enough of an ability to sell it. But nevertheless, it's a special Takana for a husband in order for the husband to know that he's going to yashin from his wife. He shouldn't be upset about this, that she's selling off her stuff to someone else and it'll become a hatred between the husband and wife. Chachamah made a Takana that she can't sell it off to anyone else. And even if she sold it, if she dies, the husband is going to be ashering her. So it's a special taikana. And that, that's that's the reason why Rabbi Yehuda argued, but Shmuel said, he argued on the psak din of, of you Yimriya.